Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Would you like to reach hundreds of thousands of athletic subscribers? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Our lot are great. They're intelligent. They have demonstrably long attention spans for all of those long reads. And that means they're almost certainly the ABC ones you're looking for. Imagine your brand front and centre on the Totally Football Show. Or Talk of the Devils. Or Football Clichés. You can advertise with us now. Our highly skilled and effortlessly charming commercial team are waiting to hear from you. Whether you want a single ad on View From The Lane or full title sponsorship on our Women's World Cup show. We've got something for everyone. Contact partnerships at theathletic.com. That's partnerships at theathletic.com. The Athletic. Alright Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, the transfer window's closed. Wait, to Klopp and Cole was open? Uh, we'll assess the Reds' lack of activity, where they've been left short and what it means going forwards. Plus, we'll look ahead to Wolves and reminisce on one deadline day arrival that brought joy and controversy to Anfield. Here to get stuck into all that, uh, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, today, I want three words on the January transfer window, and none of them should be an expletive. Kiva. <laughs> uh, there aren't words, are there? I get it. There aren't words. I was going to go for something like all quiet, and then I was like, that's two words. But then it wasn't all quiet, was it? Because obviously we had Cody Gakpo, which everyone thought, this is the start of something. And then, you know, it was all quiet then. So, yeah, can I have two words? <laughs> I'll take two words. It's been a quiet month, so. Um, yeah. I, 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 the other thing that uh, there's a problem with reporters, the underfile, you ask them for a thousand words, they give you 660, and that's a classic. Yes, uh, we've all suffered that. Not too that's bad. not usually like me. No, no, yeah, that's no same. not at all. I'm definitely over <laughs> I'm always over the way it comes. <laughs> yeah, most most writers are weird, yeah. Anyway, Andy, three words from you. Uh, I've got to go with a big risk because they didn't address what was everyone knew was the bigger area to address. And that's, you know, they've left themselves exposed, shall we say, for the second half of the season. Yeah, well, my words would be tighten your seatbelt. Because it's certainly going to be turbulent in the next few months. So uh, there's been uh, some thoughts from listeners on the Walk On Facebook group, which you got to get involved in. Uh, James Kemp said, where's the midfielders? Yeah, fair point, James. Jamie Underwood, rolling the dice. Yeah, yeah. Helen McKenzie, patience is hurt. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Spence, what's going on? Well, what is going on? We will find out. Uh, to get involved, search Walk On Podcast on Facebook and join the group from there. Right, what's going on? Jonathan Spence asked. Well, let's find out. 
We'll start with Kiva. Cody Gakpo arrived from PSV and helped fix the shortage in attack. Um, but did they really need op- another option up front, Kiva? I think it, that was the surprise to everyone, wasn't it? Because Cody Gakpo performed so well at the World Cup. We'd all watched him and thought, wow, whoever signed him, you know, is in to sign some uh, very exciting young player. And then Liverpool signed him and it, it did feel like that, like... But also, it, it also felt like, well, he feels like a left winger. I know he's a player who can play across the front line and we, we've kind of seen him you know, play centrally as well. But it just felt like they were targeting an area that they had, obviously, um, bought Luis Diaz a year ago. Obviously, with a look to Sadio Mane leaving. So it just feels like it made sense in a way. And also, you know, with other teams probably interested in Cody Gakpo in the summer, Liverpool decided to go and get him now, which, you know, is a thing that they have done before. So it makes sense in getting into a battle in the summer if the player's available and they think, you know, it's the right time to go for him. That's what they did. But then you're kind of expecting them to sign a midfielder or, you know, someone can, can play in the middle of the park and obviously no more signings come in. So then it kind of it makes fans question what's going on because top four is on the line, as we know. I, I think the, you know, the initial, my initial instinct on Gagpo is that we've dragged him down to our level. Um, but if funds were limited, you know, Keith has just said, Andy, shouldn't he have just found a midfielder, any midfielder? Uh, you know, you get Jürgen and, and Praise and Gagpo's defensive abilities and it's like, stop trolling us. Please, Jürgen, stop trolling us. Save that for your burner account on Twitter. It's, um, you know, a, a midfielder. We know they should have had a midfielder with the crying out for one. Andy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we might end up playing Cody Gakpo as a six at some point just to, to sort of get us by at some point this season. You never yeah, know. No, it's, it's, it, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like, you feel like if, if they do Gakpo in the summer, everyone's absolutely buzzing. And everyone was buzzing, I think, at the time, because obviously we've just come back from from the World Cup, beat Villa, and then and then that this sort of breaks, doesn't it? And everyone goes, oh, here we go. I don't know whether the club was stung by the Artur deal in the summer and thought, you mentioned sort of just get any midfielder. It's like, well, they did that in the summer and it probably couldn't have gone any worse in terms of what Artur's been able to do because of, you know, he turned up not fit because he hadn't played for so long and then on his way back to fitness gets injured and, and we haven't seen him and who knows if he still exists at this point. What we've seen with Liverpool is that they are prepared to wait for the players that they want and if they're not available, then they will they will sit tight and whether that's the detriment of, of or not because, you know, a couple of seasons ago, obviously, with the centre-half situation, you know, did identify Canate as the one that they wanted to bring in but knowing the release clause was there and even though they were desperate for centre-halves, they waited until the summer and, and rode out the... And, and, you know, in the end, it paid off because they managed to get to the Champions League. But, you know, if they hadn't, then suddenly he would have looked at that and gone, well, should they have executed earlier? And I think this is that's that's the big concern, isn't it? It's, if Liverpool don't get to the Champions League this season, you know, it largely become be down to the fact that they haven't strengthened the midfield either in the summer or, or in this window. And, you know, I think in terms of the frustrations, it certainly hasn't helped when you watch Manchester United lose a midfielder and Christian Eriksen for a number of months and within a day of sort of identified a, a replacement to in, in Marcel Sabitzer, who was a very, very good player. I think that adds to the frustration that Liverpool have had, what, four, four months to assess the midfield situation and try and find a player who would, who would suit them at Manchester United. 
took a day. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the problems is, obviously, the clubs are for sale, Kiva, and Fenway Sports Group have never spent excessively. I, th- I think we should caveat that by uh, the reality that they've not taken money out the club. So for all those who are protesting about the ownership and, and you know, they're clearly not a, a nation state. They're not the the Qataris of PSG. They're not Manchester City, Abu Dhabi, or even Newcastle. So, uh, you know, you can't blame them for not being what, what they are. And they've been good owners in the sense that they've, they've not asset stripped the club in any way and we've seen that you know you you two might be slightly too young for that but you know i re- i remember vividly the nightmare days of gillette and hicks which um you know I, one of the reasons i look so old is the all the, the problems we had at that period but the ownership uncertainty clearly has an impact kiva on the the buying players and how much is the fact that mike gordon's been moved f- to Try and find a buyer rather than being part of the recruitment team with, you know, with, with, with Jürgen and, and obviously for a long time with Michael Edwards. But, you know, moving on to the, you know, the present group. I think it's a question fans are asking at the minute, you know, whether Liverpool being up for sale, up for new investment by FSG is, you know, something that's going to infect, uh, like affect how they, they go about transfer markets. And I think sign and go, the Gakpo made them think, well, no, that, you know, they're still putting, putting money in. Um, but we, we know the policy and we've spoke about it dozens of times, I think already probably on this podcast, but, you know, Liverpool will under FSG sell players to raise funds to buy players. And, you know, they, they balance the books quite well, don't they? And, I think, you know, that is the question fans have been asking, you know, how committed are they now? And, you know, they've they've said, haven't they, on, on record, I think, you know, they're committed to Liverpool. It's not like they're just sort of, you know, the for sale signs up on, on the lawn at Anfield and, you know, they're, they're not putting anything in because obviously with Gakpo they are. But obviously I think it'll be a test of, of time more to see, you know, how much that they're doing in that way because obviously we know, as you said, the infrastructure of the club, under FSG has improved dramatically and, you know, incredibly so with, you know, the stands being built and different things like the the training ground and that kind of thing. So it is a question of fans are asking, but it's one of them where you kind of, you know, they, they seem committed still, but obviously, you know, commitment would have been a midfielder, I think, is, is what everyone would say. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, for me, if I'm a player and I'm looking at Anfield now and you think, the club's up for sale. They're struggling in the league. Um, Julian Ward's off in the summer. They need to get someone in to do his role. Would you actually want to come to the club, Andy? Um, it's certainly not the sell. It has been. I think there's, there's still plenty that appeal that would appeal to new players. Okay, they are in this element of transition, but you know there's a lot of quality already there. And and while it's it's quite clear that there's one significant problem, I guess the sell would be. You're the man to come and solve it, and then you come in, and, and we'll be we'll be fine. I think it's one of them, isn't it? And then Bellingham mentioning the B word. I, I, I guess if if you if you're another midfielder and you know he's coming, that's probably an attraction, isn't it? But I mean, that's the big question: is is he going to come? So yeah, it's it's certainly it's a difficult one because it's it's not the the sell that it was, as I said. But you know, you've still got Jurgen Klopp there. You've still got you know so much so much quality, and you would hope that this is a very quick blip. And Liverpool will be back to where they expect to be next season, and and that will come with you know bringing players in. But equally, 
if players want to play Champions League and Liverpool don't finish in the top four, suddenly, again, the attraction becomes harder. And I know Champions League isn't everything for players and you can have that sort of season out. And especially if you're one of the younger players, you've you've got plenty of seasons ahead of them. That, you know, that can sort of not be a massive factor, but it certainly does in terms of Liverpool's budget and, and who they might be able to go after. And um, Yeah, so it, it, it's a difficult one. I imagine... Jürgen, I, I was waiting to see who'd be the first one to say the B word, and obviously you win today. But I, I imagine Jürgen in Dortmund with a guitar, standing under a window going, Hey Jude, don't make us sad, we're in a bad place, come make us better. I can imagine, I can imagine. And you know, and, and let's face it, Jürgen could sell the club to anyone. He, he, you've seen him, Kiva, you've talked to him, you know where he's like, and he's got that ability. Do you think that the other side of it, though, convincing a player to come and play for Jurgen Klopp is easier than most managers, but then you got to find the money, is part of what's happened in January that they're saving the funds for Bellingham? Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because I think if Liverpool don't sign Jude Bellingham in the summer, you know, it almost becomes... It felt like something that fans were really excited about and if it would have happened in the summer or it would have happened this month, it would have been a marquee sign. And now it almost feels like Liverpool have got to do it just because we've been all been talking about it so much. And if, if they don't, like imagine the disappointment if Jude Bellingham goes anywhere else. It's almost like you can just all, you know, everyone's talking about him in Liverpool and obviously there'll be plenty of other clubs interested in him because of the, the talents that he's got and, you know, the, the player that he is. I think if Liverpool don't get him now, you know, that, that'll be just... Like who? Who else do you go for? Obviously, there's other players out there, but he just he feels like the one that could really transform this Liverpool team for such a long time. I think you know there is still a big attraction and a pull to come to Liverpool. I think you know even if they're not in the Champions Champions League, which does now kind of feel you know it's going to be some battle uh, to get there. I think it's still an attractive proposition for, you know, a player to come to the club, given recent history and history in general. Jürgen Klopp, as you say, you know, he phoned you and and wants you in the team and explains, you know, playing time and this and that and the vision. And, you know, I think it probably quite a lot of players are just, you know, quickly saying, yeah, it sounds good to me. But, you know, we don't know how um, players will feel in the summer, given the uncertainty around the club and, you know, how that will all sort of transpire over the next few months. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. And, you know, it is kind of, I guess, a worrying time for fans, isn't it, in that way? Because you want Liverpool to be sort of now really going after top four. And, you know, I'm sure they will on the pitch, but you just feel like they needed that reinforcement to do it, that support and... Uh, they didn't quite get that in the midfield, so I just think it's it's going to be interesting to see, you know, without Champions League football, if Liverpool fail to to qualify, who'll who'll want to play uh, for the team next next season? Well, I mean, it is hard to see the top four being a viable ambition. However, however, on walk on the Liverpool podcast brought to you by the Athletic, we're not giving up. This is Liverpool. It's there, you know. All they have to do is win a few games. And they can do that. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. Tony Evans here with Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. Well, what impact does the lack of transfer activity have on the rest of the season? Let's hear from James Pearce. He's not with us today, but he centres his views. Well, there's a huge contrast to the situation a year ago when, of course, Liverpool bought from a position of strength at the end of the January window. For me, now, they have failed to address a glaring weakness despite their their need being absolutely acute. In not signing a midfielder in that January window, I think, you know, there's been obviously lots, so many factors behind the issues that have, have led Liverpool to, to being out of both domestic cup, 10 points adrift of the top four and... You know, approaching a Champions League tie against Real Madrid with a with a bit of trepidation, I'd say. But yeah, I I can't quite believe that the midfield issue still hasn't been addressed, and that revamp hasn't uh, been been kind of kickstarted for a number of reasons. And I think um, you know, of course, money is a big factor, and there's an understandable amount of anger and vitriol being directed at the owners, which I which I get. Um, but it's it's not just about money spent. I think it's also about priorities because I think when you look at it, it you know, it's close to two hundred million pounds Liverpool have committed on signings. If you go back to including the Diaz deal at the end of last January, but of course the focus has heavily been on evolving and future proofing the front line. But it's it's like you know I think it's a very fair question to say, you know, has that been the right approach? You know, certainly was it the right thing to do to prioritise Gagpo? at the start of the month when you could say yes I could you know the logic was for Klopp that there was no Diaz there was no Jota no Firmino due to injuries but you know if it meant not starting that midfield revamp and I think there's an argument to say that that money could have been could have been spent in in in, in better ways and you know availability is another thing I think you can't overlook that the fact that the ones that Liverpool really wanted weren't available we know that Bellingham obviously remains the top target for the summer. You've got Mateus Nunes at Wolves as well. There's a strong interest in. But um, yeah, going looking forward, I think it just puts even more pressure on the summer window. There's so much now that needs to be done. And that means there's a huge cost. Um, there's also the, the question marks over who's going to pick up the tab for that. Because um, you know, for a club that's prided itself on stability and succession planning for so long there's currently a hell of a lot of uncertainty at Liverpool you know right from 
you know, FSG in their search for investment. We don't know whether they're still going to be Liverpool's owners in the summer and who's actually going to be doing the deals. Because, of course, Julian Ward, who did the Gagpo deal, is serving his notice and he, he'll he be leaving the club at the end of the season. So he won't be doing the, the transfer deals for the summer window. Um, and that, that search for a, a new sporting director is ongoing. So, um, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of uncertainty at Liverpool at the minute. I, th- I think you know the frustration probably is that the January window overall didn't didn't give them the kind of boost required to 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 fuel the belief that they can salvage something from such a difficult season. Well, Kiva, already ten points off the top four. Champions League money is crucial to the operation of the club. Not getting in there is going to have a huge impact going forwards, and the ramifications might be felt for years. Well, it's so crucial they get in there, isn't it? Yeah, it's massively crucial. I think just, you know, from a fan perspective as well, Liverpool finally got back playing regular Champions League football every season under Jurgen Klopp, all right? It hasn't always been pretty trying to get there and doing it on the last day on, you know, multiple occasions. To do it this season would be remarkable achievement from where Liverpool are right now. I think if, if it is to happen, which, you know, it just feels unlikely at the moment, but... Never say never, given, you know, how we've seen uh, Nat Phillips and Reese Williams bandaged up at the last day of the season when, obviously, the defensive injury crisis unfolded at Liverpool. I think it's going to be important to, obviously, the finances of the club. We know how crucial that is to be in the Champions League, where everyone wants to be. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, as I've kind of mentioned, the fans want to go away in Europe, don't they? They want to be in the best competition. Liverpool, you know, the three finals in how many seasons under Jurgen Klopp, that's what fans have come to expect now. So it would be quite a bitter pill to swallow if, you know, Liverpool are suddenly playing in the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. It felt like, you know, Liverpool were guaranteed to qualify for the, the top four. I felt like on, you know, the day they beat City in the, the Charity Shield, the you know, Liverpool would be battling for the title and how wrong I guess I was there, but it just they look great all over the pitch. We know injuries and different things have happened, but it just yeah, it feels like it'll be just such a big missed I guess opportunity. But it, it surprises me that Liverpool are in a race for the top four, to be honest. Like I think fans are still adjusting to that and watching, you know, Arsenal run off into the distance and uh, you know, those teams behind them like Newcastle and, you know, teams like Brighton making a push and, and different ones and been a, a rocky road for Liverpool, but it doesn't mean that that can't change. And, you know, they definitely have the quality to to make it, but uh, it's going to be some ride, isn't it? Oh, I'll say. I, you know, I've compartmentalised that performance against Manchester City in the Community Shield. That was part of last season, wasn't yeah. it? It wasn't yeah. part of this season. The, the season started, well, last season ended with the Community Shields and then the new season started and misery rained down on us. Well, it hasn't been that bad, to be honest. But injuries have obviously been an issue and you know, we're getting them in defence now. What happens if the midfield is affected? Andy, do not say it'll improve the side. Uh, well, yeah, that was the that was the big sort of sadness, wasn't it, when everyone saw that the Ibukanate injury news. Um, I think everyone just sort of that was your final sort of big sigh of like really, really <laughs> any need for that. Because it was on um, deadline day. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, just to just to compound the misery of what everyone knew was already gonna be a big quiet day, there was actually some news and it was the worst what well, one of the worst possible bits of news we could have got, um, because of 
we all know how good good Canate is. Gods um, are mocking us, aren't they? Yeah, that's what I mean. It just it feels like when it when, when it rains it pours. If you like, you know, you, you just come to expect it this season. I'm sure we'll pick up some more injuries in the next couple of weeks before we get in. You know, the the sort of uh, the cavalry back because there's so many. Sort of the clock went through the new who were the sort of the, that two three weeks away. So yeah, you would hope that it, it sort of does have a benefit um, when you bring some of those players back. Obviously, Van Dijk being being another who will be who will be massively key just to to Liverpool in general. You do sort of start thinking on is uh, if one more centre half drops, is Fabinho going to end up playing centre half again, um, or, or Jordan Henderson or whoever <laughs> else imagine, wants to have a go? Can you imagine? It's the way that, you know, with with his lack of pace, which he he was never quick anyway. But the the way he slowed down and as the way he seems to have lost his technique and tackling as well, that would be a nightmare. He'd be they'd be getting sent off to be a big Glen Keeley esque for those of a, a certain age. Uh, that was he was the uh, Blackburn Rovers player who come on loan to Everton and was was sent off in the five nil victory at Goodison at the. Um, Back in 1981, it was a, he had what 20 minutes in an Everton shirt, and it was hysterical. But um, the, the sign in the midfield would have made a huge psychological lift, and this is a team that need, looks as if it needs a boost. They're lacking confidence everywhere, Giva. But um, I mean, it puts so much pressure on the summer, doesn't it? Massively, I think getting sort of one player in would have maybe you know taken that pressure off slightly or eased it. But like Andy mentioned earlier, even a player on loan, you know, you just all the players out there that Liverpool felt were available and suited to the, you know, there's a lot that goes into playing for Liverpool. And I think what happened with Arta is, you know, kind of damaged sort of that approach. And it's not really an approach under Jurgen Klopp that's happened. I don't think he's loaned many players in. Goes and Quebec, Stephen Colker, and I can't really think of many other sort of loan signings. It's not how Liverpool have tended to operate under Jurgen Klopp. Getting midfielders in is going to be crucial, given you know the turnover in players and the ages of the current midfielders. But it's going to be such a busy summer. All right, you have maybe feel like you've got a bit bit longer, and they'll be working on it now. Obviously, as we know, to get deals over the line because. That's what you've got to do. You can't just sort of wait for the deadline to, you know, the the curtains to open back up and, and Liverpool just waltz in and pick out a couple of nice midfielders like they're at the supermarket. You've got to plan in advance and this, you know, takes months of negotiations and planning and, and mm. all that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and who's doing it? Because, you know, Ian Graham and Julian Ward are leaving in the summer. You know, when I work me notice of places, I'll be honest, I'm not exactly pulling me guts out for them. I'd roll in late, I'd leave early, you know, I'd have a long lunch, go to the pub, you know, that sort of thing. Mind you, I can't see Ian Graham and Julian Ward in the pub, you know, in the Salisbury or somewhere. Like, you know, it's, um, no, that's not going to happen. But th- that's the problem. There's so much uncertainty there. And the issue is not only uh, Arsenal running away with the league and Newcastle obviously uh, planting the flag in the top four, but you've got the situation it also makes those clubs significantly more attractive to potential recruits doesn't it and that means we're in a more competitive transfer market and we knew you know we need a bunch of midfielders how many do you reckon we need um i think when you when you look at the the contract situations of of navigator oxide chamberlain and milner you would think all three are going to go or at least Two, uh, Milner might, you know, somehow 
you know, get another year possibly if if it sort of all works, you know, out for for all parties, I guess. But you know, you, you, if all three of them leave, you know, hypothetically, you're going to need to replace all three. I think unless you are putting faith in in one of sort of a you know a Curtis Jones or Harvey Elliott to be part of that midfield and take a massive step up in terms of sort of levels, I guess, in in that position, I think you you're going to need at least two, if not more. And yeah, this this is the problem Liverpool are going to have. You mentioned sort of the you know Arsenal's becoming title challengers, Newcastle showing showing up as well. Um, Liverpool are on a decline, probably the worst time you could be because you look at everyone else, and even United are now looking like a competent football club again. Chelsea are you know buying the world, so you've got four teams who are doing this, and Liverpool are you know doing the opposite and sort of. You know, have regressed this season. Um, so suddenly exactly. they're now in a position. You know, people talk about a transitional season, don't they? But is a transition jumping off a cliff what you're transitioning into? Could they get left behind, Kiva? I think when you say transition, you kind of imagine a transition as like they've already bought these young midfielders that they want to transition. That will yeah, be next exactly. season, won't it? So, you know, we're thinking that this is the transitional season, but it's not because they haven't got those players yet. All right, the other players are sort of on the decline and maybe some of them are, will leave the club in the summer and, you know, they're getting a bit older. But Liverpool have to then, you know, get new players into the squad. So it's a transitional period rather than a season, isn't it? Because you know, that decline starts and then you have to sort of, you know, try and get back up there. And I think that's going to take time too. So I think the uncertainty around the whole club is, you know, one that isn't always a nice thought to think too deeply into, is it? Because, you know, it's one that's happening right now, but also next season, nothing is guaranteed. It is. It's disturbing, isn't it? Because they work so hard to get to this point or to get to the point where they were going for all four trophies last season and it's taken a lot of effort and everything came together everything gelled under Jurgen Klopp the recruitment process worked because I mean frankly it hadn't worked before he arrived you know you you look at you know Emre Shan, the likes of Emre Shan coming in and uh, Markovitz and so when people talk about building a statue to Michael Edwards, I'm like, mm, I'm not so sure about that. But it did all come together. And then it seems to have unraveled very, very quickly, Andy. Yeah, it has. Um, but what you know, what you would say is that with Klopp's commitments, he he probably whether he would have seen this coming, as in what we've got in in sort of the current situation. I don't think so, but. I think he will have known that there was going to be a period where he was going to have to transition from the first team that he built and was so successful and culminated in that, you know, that quadruple chase last season. Uh, and he was going to have to transition to his second team, if you like, and build in a second team. And, and there's a lot of things in place for that second team. You look at that front, sort of the forward options Liverpool have got in terms of the ages of Jota, Diaz, Gakpo, Nunes. You know, you've got what should be Liverpool's sort of you know, four of Liverpool's crucial forwards for the next four or five years, if you like, if, if all goes well and they perform based on their ages. So in that side, you know, that part of the pitch, you, you're sort of set in, in terms of what your next team's going to be. But it has taken Liverpool too long to to address the midfield. And it, it, it is so difficult though, isn't it? Because even, and, you know, we talked about the community, the community shield there, that, you know, that on that day, the midfield, I'm pretty sure, was Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago. And there was no signs there that they were going to suddenly, you know, be unable to function as a unit, um, you know, two, three, four weeks later. 
and and that's that's the that's the strange thing, isn't it? And and you would you would think that maybe Liverpool, given what of last season, you know, they, they didn't expect the decline to be this, and therefore they may have thought they could have got away with not doing anything until next summer, and just about getting through and hoping that you know performance levels stayed the same because. You know, Fabinho is the obvious example. No one could have seen foreseen what has happened to him. Um, if if you got a a normal performance, Fabinho Liverpool's midfield wouldn't have been the mess that it has been, for example, and, and the same for for others. Yeah, and the thing is, with all of us in football, we're all guilty of this. We live in the moments. We have the the memories of a gnat, and we can't see the future. You know, we live in a constant state of either crisis or joy and that's the way it is unfortunately what we forget is things can turn in a second and not never not never stand still in football you're either going forwards or going backwards and you can come out of reverse very very quickly and that's what us at walk on your liverpool podcast brought to you by the athletic are hoping for liverpool will switch gears and in the next few weeks we'll be upbeat We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Luis Suarez on debut and he's done it Luis Suarez scores on his Liverpool debut it's a dream this is Walk On brought to you by The Athletic with me Tony Evans Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones well Luis Suarez made his debut 12 years ago on the 2nd of February 2011 well it was pretty quickly apparent where a player he was and his immediate impact with a debut goal against Stoke I think one of the most interesting things for me, Kiva, about Suarez is that we didn't really expect him to come. It was very much a last-minute thing in the window. And Kenny Dalglish had come up with a an idea. He thought that the 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 centre-offs in the Premier League weren't physical enough. And he thought a big striker would make a huge difference. So he wanted Andy Carroll and he bought wingers. Stuart Downing and Jordan Henderson to feed Carroll. And that was the plan. That was the blueprint going forward. And then Suarez turned up a training and he was like, oh, we're going to have to 
go to plan B because he was so good. And so the way Liverpool were going to play never really materialised and Suarez become the focus of it. And that was it was that was an amazing thing to 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 watch. Yeah, when he, when he took to the pitch for Liverpool, he was immediately a Liverpool player, wasn't he? And I think when you look back at his time at the club, you kind of think on the pitch he, he did some like remarkable things with a football, and you know you compare him to some of the, the greatest ever. I think Liverpool players had Liverpool won that you know Premier League in twenty thirteen fourteen. Maybe his time at Liverpool would be looked at differently because I think did he just win that League Cup and you know then went on to win the lot with uh, Barcelona when he moved there. But I mean there was some magical moments from him, wasn't there? And I think that Liverpool had another player first, so I guess they had obviously Fernando Torres who departed in that window, but hadn't you know been expected to have another player that they trusted so much in front of goal and also trusted just to pull off the you know pull pull off the the craziest goals that you know at a time when really Liverpool didn't have didn't have a whole team of players you 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 know point at and go you know this is a real a team that's gonna battle for titles every season that that wasn't the case and I think you know he lit up that time didn't he with you know the game against Norwich and all well every game against Norwich he ever played I think he scored lots of goals against them didn't he yeah I just I think you know then Liverpool have obviously. Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino, who've all surpassed them in the goal scoring charts at Liverpool, all scored over 100 goals and the rest. And I think, you know, you think, well, you know, all of them must be better players. But I think that season, as last season in particular, I just I just remember thinking, like, wow, will we ever see a player like that again? That's a really good point, Kiva. And you look at, like, what Salah's done. And it's it's remarkable. I sometimes think Salah doesn't quite get the status in Liverpool's pantheon that he deserves, and maybe it'll come when he retires. But the one thing you can say is that I think people think more fondly of Suarez than they do of Salah at this point. Andy, do, do you think that's right? true? Um, it's a good question, actually. That's what I really thought. I guess what you would say with Suarez, he, he was sort of this one-man sort of wrecking crew, wasn't he, in that? He everything Liverpool did was through him uh, on the pitch. He he could inspire a moment from from nowhere. Whereas you know Liverpool under Klopp and Salah have become a team. And 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 Salah I guess had this. I, I guess he had the aura in his first season when he came in and scored all the goals and had a Suarez like season, um, if you like. And that he was he was the main man, wasn't he? Whereas he's become while very much being a crucial crucial part of Liverpool's team. You've had the likes of Van Dijk, Allison come in, who Fabinho, or, or, you know, Mane, you know, all, all the different types of players who've contributed to Liverpool's success. Whereas Suarez was very much at that time the the guy who, who if, if Liverpool were going to win games of football and were going to achieve anything, he was going to have to be very very central to it. And Salah has has had to be central to Liverpool's success, of course. But he's had, you know, he's been surrounded by a much higher level of player across the pitch. Than I think Luis Suarez was, and and that that might play into it. But you know, it, I, I can't believe it was, you said twelve years. Then I can't believe it was twelve years ago he made his debut. But I think that goal We're against Stoke. Sort of, I know, yeah, that, that was the first. <laughs> you time. know what? You know what? I'll come round there. I'll come round there and sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> The two most youthful people in journalism are going, oh, we're all getting old. Yeah, and I'm sitting here like, me beard's grey, you know, me, me, me memory's beginning to go, and like, oh, yeah, right, one Gandalf. day you'll be my age. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's him. Um, but, you know, I, 
I have to say, from my point of view, Suarez misdemeanors actually really takes away from his greatness and no player, probably there's only two or three players who were as good as him on the pitch in all the time I've been watching Liverpool. But no player brought the club into disrepute as much as he did. And for me, that means he's not a Liverpool great, sadly. I know a lot of people disagree, but that's my view on it. But moving on, Wolves this weekend. Well, what do we make of this? Canate is out, so we've got problems at the in the in defence. A hamstring injury for two to three weeks. It may mean he's not available for Real Madrid. Oh dear! But let's not even think about the um, about about the Bernabeu and Real Madrid. Let's think about Molyneux. What, what stays we in going in there, Kiva? Well, that was a big blow, wasn't it? As Andy mentioned, deadline day, and you know that's the news Liverpool fans were receiving, not what they wanted at all. Especially because watching him at Brighton, I was just like, "What a defender he is! Like he's unbelievable. You know, not passive at all. Just goes after everything. So strong, steady, so good on the ball. And now he's out for you know two, three weeks, whatever it'll be. And it's just worrying, I guess. And I think you know. Um, Joe Gomez, as we know, did himself no favours for Brighton's winning goal. I mean, superb goal it was from Matoma. But I think, you know, he got an assist for that, didn't he, Gomez? He's actually got officially got an assist, Gomez. Premier League, give it to him, I'm sure. I read that somewhere. Um, not on the Athletic. Um. I think, you know, it's interesting that Joe Gomez and uh, Joel Mathup have only played two full games together for Liverpool. Like, that is a stat that just leaves me scratching my head. Like, how? Is that possible? Like, it makes no sense, given all the injuries that have happened to the defence. Have they not played more games than that together? So, you know, this is an untested partnership and one that will be, you know, tested against Wolves. And I think we're going to see see that happen. I mean, definitely two players that can defend well together, I'd imagine. And, you know, Liverpool will be putting a lot of hope on them. And then, you know, everywhere else across the pitch, you just... There's question marks everywhere at the minute, isn't there? Obviously, the midfield, which you've already discussed at length. I think, you know, there's a lack of goals in this team at the minute. And, you know, that's something that needs to be addressed and quite quickly. And that has to happen from, you know, those players on the pitch. And I think in terms of almost like where you put these players as well, the position, and sometimes it just feels like, why are you playing Cody Gakpo there? Why is Darwin Nunes playing over there? Like, you know, I think Klopp is still needing to settle on the formation that he thinks is working for Liverpool in terms of, you know, where the players are on the pitch. And I think that's more of a question than uh, anything at the minute. Just You just don't know what to expect from Liverpool. And I think within five minutes of the game at Wolves, I think we'll know exactly what the result will be because that's how Liverpool have been playing this season, that you kind of know whether it's going to be a good or bad game from the first few minutes of the game. Gomez and Matip. It sounds like a bad American cop comedy, doesn't it, somehow? Um, but they're the only fit centre-backs. And both of them, you know, that, all right. You know, we, we have been using our negativity for comic effects, but the reality is they're both good players. They might not have played often together, but both of them have plenty about them. And beat Wolves in the FA Cup, and it was a clean sheet there. Do you think that's the combination that can provide another clean sheet? Because obviously, Jürgen's sort of being compact, being compact and not conceding. And I, I think that's that's going to be crucial, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, it, it, well, it needs to be the the, uh, the partnership that brings a clean sheet, doesn't it? Because you know that's what Liverpool are crying out for at the moment, and the victory against Wolves provides a bit of a blueprint about probably what he's going to do again. 
personnel might be a little bit different, but I would imagine he's, he's going to try and stick to, to what has been sort of working in a way, i.e. Liverpool haven't been, you know, really, really open all the time. So that, you know, that midfield of Thiago Cater and uh, Bacetic and be interesting to see what it is with the forward line. Harvey Elliott obviously scored against Brighton, but you've got Darwin Nunes. This might be a chance for him to take Gakpo out and give him a little bit of a breather just to have a have a little, I guess, time to think about, you know, the new you know, system he's found himself in and, and, and how he's adapting. Um and sort of maybe use him off the bench if he if he wants to continue with, with Elliott. But yeah, the the message will be key, it'll be to try and replicate effectively what they did in the cup game is to try and keep it as tight as possible give up as, as few chances as possible and, and then try and, and use the threat that they began to show at, at Brighton where they were better when they were on the break and on the ball um, and created good opportunities where against Wolves they didn't create much at all and then the same story against Chelsea. But I think the important thing is, is to make, make sure that they get the clean sheet because, you know, in, in Premier League terms, you know, Brighton and Brentford were the last two away games and you can't be going and conceding three again. <laughs> you just can't do that. It wasn't so long ago we were talking about Gakpo coming in, giving Nunes a chance to sit in the bench and learn a little bit and then come on. And now we're like, oh, you know, now Gakpo needs a bit of a rest. Nunes is back and, you know, that'll be... Um, and and so, so it does change and it does develop. But give us a bit of positivity at the end, Kiva. I think this Liverpool team... We'll try and win the game. I think that's as, as positive as I can probably get. No, I think, you know, you've mentioned there the quality is there. It just needs to click into gear again and click into place. And when it does, we know how well Liverpool can play. I think everything depends on the press and how, you know, intense it is. Because if the press and I think they've still been pressed in the season, just not it always, you know, with the same intensity. And it hasn't always paid off. I felt like at Brighton they were doing it, but then picking up yellow cards, you were a bit late in tackles. That's worrying, but I think that kind of showed they are trying, you know, whether they're, they're not right up, up to par just yet. I think hopefully this will be the game where we see it yeah. all come together well, and then we'll build from there and everything will be all right. Does that yeah, make wolves, everyone feel a bit better? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Wolves, you have been warned. We're coming hunting for you. Well, that's all for today from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to Kiva and Andy and you, the listeners. Remember, you can get involved via our new Walk On podcast group on Facebook. Just search Walk On Podcast to get involved. We'll be back on Monday. Catch you then. Hey, Jude. Don't make us sad, we're in a bad place, come make us better. The Athletic.